welcome to Evolution Sucks, out of the primordial ooze and into our best life. Episode 1. Who am I and why did I start this project? Do we really need another podcast in the ocean of podcasts? Maybe I need to start at the beginning and maybe explain the name I chose for this podcast, Evolution Sucks. To be clear, this isn't going to be a debate between Darwinism and the biblical creation story. So if that's your jam, then this podcast probably is not a good fit for you. I'm going to be diving into what does personal evolution look like and what does that even mean to evolve while we are here on this planet, to grow and change and lean into our best life and our best version of ourselves And what are the ways in which we do that? If that's your jam, then by all means, get comfortable and listen to my experience with evolution. I also will be inviting guests on this show to share their own unique experience and stories around personal evolution. But for now, I want to share my story and hope that you can gain something from hearing Uh, what I reveal. To put it simply, I'm referring to the growth and evolution course this universe offers and that I clearly must have signed up for. This isn't a drop-in and audit course either. It takes commitment and focus and an understanding that no matter how hard things seem at the time, there's always the opportunity to grow, to evolve. Occasionally, some grace helps too. And yeah, it can totally suck sometimes, but I believe we always have a choice. A choice to say, as shitty as this is, I want to see what's next. I know for a fact the sun will rise tomorrow and both metaphorically and actually will bring a new day. What possibilities does that new day hold? Could things get incrementally better? Could a sudden bit of insight shift the entire way we're experiencing our life? Or will that new day just bring nothing more but of the suck? I've known both new days, and I've gotten knocked down and struggled to get up off the mat repeatedly to face the suck and see what's next. This podcast will explore the many layers of this human experience of evolving and becoming the best version of us possible. And sometimes that means stripping down and revealing the layers that have been hidden, wrapped in shame, insecurity, fear, and trauma. What is there to lose by showing myself to you? A mixture of ego and pride and hubris and fear of being judged. What's left then? Well, let's see. My intent is by revealing myself, there may be some beneficial piece for you, allowing you to reveal any part of you that isn't serving your own evolution. To be clear, as I mentioned in my trailer kicking off this podcast, I do not consider myself a victim. If you're hoping for a juicy victim story, this isn't going to be it. I fully own my story, and by owning it, the seeds of potential change are sown. By hearing my story, do you make connections to your own? 
You may see how the hard times in your own life open the next awareness. And if that perspective hasn't happened for you yet, then perhaps you'll let this be a seed planted. So, here we go. I was born in 1958. I remember that moment of arriving so clearly. How could I, you ask? I saw in a vision the entire scene of my birth play out while meditating some years ago. Skeptical? I'm cool with that, but this is my story of what I observed. I'm in my parents' bedroom, standing in the corner as me now, an adult. Of my two siblings, I was the only one born at home, the third son to Bill and June about to arrive. In the softly lit room was the doc, a nurse, my dad, and my mom, June. It was like any birth about to happen, anticipation mixed with a big dose of wonder and excitement. Well, here I come, right into the doc's waiting hands, but he has a strange look on his face and pauses before raising me up to show my mother and hand me to her. That pause says it all. Something is not right. He slowly turns to show my mother her baby boy, and as she looks at my face, she gasps. Now, if any of you listeners donate to the organization, The Smile Train, you know what an unrepaired cleft lip and palate can look like. Gnarly. I get her reaction. I really do. But to me, it felt like rejection. Yes, even as a newborn, that message got delivered. And from that first interaction with my mother, it set in motion a dynamic that would be my shadow for half my life. Acceptance. Am I okay? Can you love me unconditionally like a mother should? How that dynamic played out would fill a dozen more podcasts, impacting all my relationships, especially with the women in my life. So for now, I'll keep to the basic details of my early journey. Now, perhaps your birth might not have been so dramatic. Maybe the pregnancy was, or your first few months. But whatever family you dropped into, I'm willing to bet your seeds of evolution were planted right then in there. This isn't to blame our parents, but rather gain some insight into what wounds we might still be carrying that cause our evolution and the sucky parts. Back to my story. Being born in the 50s, medical practice was not what it is today, obviously. Imagine what medical technology was like 50 years before I was born and the procedures that were available in 1908. Then fast forward from my birth 50 years to the 21st century, yeah, massive leap in what modern medicine can do. The prevailing belief when I was born was that babies don't feel pain. Wait, what? Google it if you don't believe me. And on top of that, how would one administer anesthesia to a newborn? How much would you give them? So better hold that baby and get busy surgically closing the roof of their mouth and fusing their upper lip where it never formed properly. I still to this day can't imagine the pain and horror that baby went through during that first procedure. 
That baby was me. But that's how my new journey began here. Pain, rejection, I'm not okay, what's wrong with me? And how does this little being gradually learn to navigate this new world? How does he seek to fit in? What personality slowly emerges to protect himself from the very fact that he is different? And the world reflects that back to him every second of every day. That, dear listener, is how this story of mine begins. And over the course of this podcast, I'll be exploring these themes around personal evolution from our individual circumstances, no matter how dire or subtle. We've all experienced some level of suffering, judgment, looking to others for love and approval, the voice in your head saying, I'm not good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, I'll never be happy. And so the stories go. Of course I know I'm not alone. I spent many visits over the years as a boy to Children's Hospital in Boston to have corrective surgery and saw kids with terrible deformities, horror movie stuff, to be honest, which if I was into comparing my trauma with theirs, I came out a winner. But it was a hollow victory, because when I went back into my world, the message came back loud and clear. You're different. You're not okay. The mirror dutifully reflected that back to me thousands of times. I bet you've experienced some form of this too. So, fast forward to the summer of 2022. I had an experience while camping with my family that shone a bright light on a part of me that had been purposely buried, covered up with layers of guilt and shame and rejection, and most of all, anger. The underlying emotion that drove my life was anger. Though I didn't feel like an angry dude inside. Inside, I wanted to love and be loved. And I could easily play the evolved and spiritual alpha male, sensitive, available, and present to a point. But trigger me, and boom, anger raised its ugly head. It was an underlying force in all of my relationships. I was pissed. The echo of why me bounced around my head from the moment kids begin to see differences between themselves at age six or seven. She's fat. He has a big nose. Her skin color is different than mine. She has freckles. The sad way kids can be cruel. My difference was right there on my face for all the world to see. A hair lip. Two distinct scars on my upper lip. Nowhere to hide. I was deformed. So on this trip where we annually camp, it all got revealed like a pot boiling over that had slowly simmered for a lifetime. All the triggers merged into one big trigger that I pulled. And with all triggers, once you pull it, you can't take that bullet back. The damage is done. I raged like never before on my shocked wife and two youngest children. I could see the fear in their eyes, and I pray never to see that look on their faces ever again. They saw their father at his very worst. I was angrier than perhaps I had ever been. I went black. 
my justification to my rage was that they had been doing what they had been doing was unsafe. The kids climbing these rock faces in the rain and lightning with our two dogs trying to follow them. As a first responder, I could only see the danger, the lack of advanced medical care being more than an hour away and no cell service to even call 911. I sat in our tent stewing, saying I was not going to call them back. They had to come back on their own and wondering why my wife wasn't managing the situation. She actually was. I was boiling, the anger building, feeling like I had lost total control of the scene. And when they finally returned, running out of the rain and into the tent, I snapped. It was as if all the accumulated trauma and inability to control other people or situations I experienced throughout my life came roaring back and exploded on those I swore to love and protect. And yet I saw it was me that I had to protect them from. It was an awakening like never before, though not the rainbows and unicorn awakening I thought would happen to me. The wreckage of a different kind of awakening was strewn all around me. It was the bottom. And staring up out of that pit, I seriously doubted that this time I could pull myself up. Later that day, a thought literally just showed up in my head. You have PTSD. No fucking way, I said. Can't be. I was never a combat vet. And in my time in the fire service, I never walked away from a car wreck or structure fire feeling anything but that I was just doing my job. So that wasn't it. What was it then? In a flash of awareness, I saw how much continuous trauma I had been through, how much pain was my constant companion. Here's a few of the top hits. My father dying suddenly when I was three right before Christmas, and the overwhelming sadness like a fog descended upon our house. Multiple accidents as a kid. My nickname was Daredevil. I'd do anything on a dare, jump off roofs, ride my bike downhill with no brakes. Anything was an option. Just dare me. A car accident with my mother when I was eight and in the back seat with no seatbelt and thrown around the back of the car until it stopped spinning. Surgeries to repair my nose and lip. Relationships gone bad. Emotionally and physically abused by a sibling. Falling off a 35-foot cliff on my mountain bike And as I went over the edge, I was pretty convinced this is how I die. Constantly having to armor myself up when someone stares at my lip and asks, what happened? Or worse, they don't ask and look away. That's just some of the highlights. The more I looked, the more I saw how a litany of trauma and self-judgment and shame had combined to make me the man I am today. And the more I looked around me, I saw that each of us carries trauma and self-judgment, even if it's subtle. And that awareness has made me a more compassionate man. Ironically, the threads of that trauma were intricately woven into the fabric of my outgoing persona, 
the charming, funny, capable, confident, athletic Jamie, who inside often felt like an imposter. How could I ever reconcile the trauma or even pull just those painful threads out of the life I have woven and still have anything left resembling a whole man? Who would I be without the pain and suffering? But pain is how I get my own attention, where I must slow down and look within. And I'm sure you've developed your own strategies to get your own attention. Later, back home from camping, as I dug more into what PTSD is, I came across a relatively new term called complex post-traumatic stress disorder, or CPTSD. From what I understand now, it's not a one-off event that triggers an emotional reaction like PTSD often does, but many events over time that add up to trauma being experienced throughout a life. C, PTSD. Now, I'm not a therapist, and I don't proclaim to know the nuances of PTSD. I just saw how much pain and trauma has informed me in this life. And honestly, I struggled identifying myself along with many military personnel suffering from PTSD who saw the horrors of war and the dark side of humanity up close. But what's the use in comparing? Pain is pain. Trauma is trauma. Once I clearly saw how I lived my life up till now with all that dormant anger, I knew I had the missing piece to my evolution. Call it humbling awareness, a wake-up call, the dark night of the soul, being on my knees. But here's the crux. I knew I either had to evolve, there's that fucking word again, or lose everything I held dear. My relationship with my wife, my children, my desire to even keep on going in this life. As a small boy, when asked a typical question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd always answer, happy. As I say that now, I understand what I was really saying, that I wasn't happy at all. And believe it or not, I've been seeking to understand and enlighten myself since I first read Siddhartha as a senior in a high school English class. Thank you, Mr. Baptiste. That journey to know myself was completely intuitive as I look back now bringing me to the next experience I was meant to have. I had no strategy, no real game plan. At the time, to an outside observer, it looked like tracking a mouse in newly fallen snow, pretty much all over the place. Yet somehow, my internal compass always guided me to the next lesson I was meant to experience. Taking martial arts classes, Tai Chi, Aikido, Kung Fu, joining a Tibetan Buddhist Dharma group and practicing diligently for almost a decade, dreaming of a Lakota elder, then meeting him at a sweat lodge two weeks later, and then traveling with him and his family for almost a year, swearing off seeking and spirituality and went to work for a large multi-store sporting goods company, finding both stability emotionally and financially. And I can also acknowledge that my life has had its share of miracles. 
moments that seemed that some mysterious helping hand showed up at precisely the right moment. What miracles, helping hands, or synchronistic experiences have you had along your journey? My big one, and perhaps the granting of a lifelong desire? While working for the sporting goods company on a whim, I went to see a prominent plastic surgeon who was surprised I never had my hair lip repaired when I was younger, and he assured me that he could do the work to make me look, quote-unquote, normal. The company insurance policy paid for the entire procedure, and my bosses paid my salary for the month I was home recuperating. The owners of that company were like my guardian angels. This next part's a little gnarly, so hang in there. Post-surgery, I had my mouth sewn shut for two weeks, only able to take food from a straw out of the corner of my mouth while the procedure healed. During that time, I promised the powers that be, God, the universe, whoever's ear I had, that I would now be a good man. Truly, no lie, I vowed to be the best man I could ever since my deepest desire had been granted. I was 37 years old. Well, I wish I could say having my lip fixed washed away all the trauma, all the ways I compensated for and navigated my life. In some ways, it buried the anger and pain even deeper. Now I could hide behind my normal looks. In a bizarre twist, it hardened me at first, and I became more ego-driven than before. But then another miracle happened. I pulled a small book off the shelf of my local bookstore and brought it home to read. There it sat on my nightstand for nine months, until one day the woman I was living with at the time said, I'm leaving. Cool, I replied. Where are you going? She said, no, I'm leaving you. I was stunned. We had been, in, been together a scant ten months. I felt for sure she was the one. And in retrospect, she gifted me with this life I'm now living by leaving me. She saw my need to control my critical comments, my anger lurking below the surface, and made a good choice by leaving that little book opened a world that showed me the possibility of how a life could be lived in love, and at the same time showed me how far I had to go to live that life. I saw for the first time how heartbreak can be turned into opportunity, how from the wreckage of a broken heart that doesn't get immediately reassembled so as not to feel the hurt, we stay open to something new being born inside. My next mentor showed up in the form of a book, and the words in that special little book opened an entire new way of looking at that world. Reading that book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and finding myself at 40 years old, totally heartbroken, honestly, moreover, the sad state of my life, along with another failed relationship, I decided to pack up my life on the East Coast and head off cross-country to California with my oldest son, who was 12 at the time, 
to find Don Miguel and hopefully find myself in the process. That was over 20 years ago that I met Don Miguel. Clearly, there was a part of me that yearned to live in the light, to experience deep love, and that wanted to feel whole and harmonious inside. I did find some harmony and stability over those years, marrying my fully shining woman, who is also part of Miguel's community, moving back east and creating a successful renovation business, buying the big house and the requisite toys, and welcoming my second son and my daughter into our life. I felt solid and squared away inside. I was living a beautiful life that from all appearances, it seemed as though I had my shit together. Everything seemed good until it wasn't. Beliefs are what create our inner world, and the years I spent with Don Miguel were incredibly beneficial, allowing me to believe that anything was possible, that I truly am the artist of my own life. Yet the deeper buried belief that I was damaged goods infected everything I touched. Yes, there were many years with that belief lying dormant that I felt content inside, perhaps for the first time in my life. But the level of trauma I experienced had burned itself into my skin like a tattoo and was waiting for the exact right moment to show just how deep it was. Not all my past was spent seeking teachers, mentors, and self-improvement. Hard drugs and alcohol were also my teachers. I guess I was blessed, though, with a non-addictive personality when it came to substances, so numbing myself was not a long-term strategy. I always fancied myself as an athlete, and as such, being in shape was more desirable than being hungover or in a stupor. So you might be wondering what was the fallout from my meltdown while camping that summer. Well, the very helpful couples coach my wife had been seeing to smooth out some of the wrinkles that 20 years of marriage can create, heard my tale and promptly informed me that she doesn't do trauma work after listening to the litany of trauma I had spelled out. But she suggested two people who did. I knew I had crossed a line in that tent and I knew my life depended on repairing it as best I could. Clearly, talk therapy has limited efficacy with events that are stored in the body, like abuse and deep trauma. One of the recommended therapists and I had some similar connections from the past, and in a phone call, it became clear that we would work together. I had never done any somatic work, and her practice was called Jinshin Tara, essentially using pulse diagnosis and acupressure and visualizations to release stored trauma. Two, se two sessions a week for a month. It was profound. Places of pain that were long forgotten were released in the most non-traumatic way. Memories long since faded showed up. I left each hour-long session feeling renewed and released and calm. In future podcasts, I plan to talk more about what those sessions revealed. So, dear listeners, this is what I will be sharing with you. I will bring as much vulnerability as I can. I'll share my insights and ahas that have helped me to keep going. I'll bring in guests who have had similar experiences of overcoming their limitations 
of living with and reconciling their own trauma, as well as experts who will share their methods for identifying and releasing stored trauma. It's a process, for sure. Some days go better than others, but that knowledge that the sun will rise tomorrow and by the light of a new day, a new opportunity to change gives me the assurance that it's possible to evolve. I certainly do not claim to have the corner on suffering. Most of us here on this planet, if not all of us, have had some experience with suffering, pain, grief, and loss. My curiosity is around how do we keep moving forward in our life from those things and become whole human beings. My motivation and my hope are that in sharing my story, you might discover a part of yourself left covered up, buried away, and you find the ability to understand the part that trauma, pain, or heartbreak have played in your life. By hearing these stories, may you find some solace on this life's journey. May you find that next step forward. Out of the primordial ooze and into our best life. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been edited and produced by Gilroy Productions. Thanks, buddy. Love you.